Welcome everybody. Welcome to Elmira Baptist Church Sunday School. A uh, warm welcome to everybody here in person and a warm welcome to everybody who's watching from uh, the internet online. Glad you've joined us. I get Periodically I get some feedback from uh, uh, people that are watching online. Doug, Bruce still watches um, from Texas and he sent me a text and, and I, I gave an illustration when we were teaching about uh, when the new church that he was going to, they have a kind of an annual event where they pull a television out and then they all shoot it. <laughs> Is that like, I love that text. <laughs> I love that. And I, I kind of remarked on that and I, I mischaracterized how many guns everybody got to use to shoot the TV. So he, he, he clarified that and... Uh, and, and, and it was uh, interesting to hear. But I, I, and I had done that quite a while ago, that illustration quite a while ago. Uh, but uh, so, Bruce, if you're listening, uh, thank you for clarifying in the feedback. And uh, does everybody have a yellow handout? It looks like this. Goldenrod. Sorry. Goldenrod is the <laughs> official term. Okay. So everybody's got one? Okay. So... Uh, last Sunday, uh, I took the handout, and I, uh, after Sunday school class, I hid it. <laughs> so somebody who didn't come to class was looking for a handout, and asked Cindy, "Where's the handouts?" And she said, "What did you do with all the handouts?" I said, "I hid them." And she said, "Why?" I said, "Well, if you don't come to class, you don't get a handout." <laughs> and, and so you, she said, "You can't do that." I said, "Sure, I can." <laughs> But she was right, so I won't. So if somebody wants an extra handout, and I've got some up here, everybody has got a handout. Okay, good. All right. Um, so welcome everybody, and we're in Colossians chapter three, verses twelve to seventeen. If you want to turn there, and uh, the. The handout is really helpful, so be sure and follow along in the handout. It will really help you. And at home, if you would like a handout, please contact the church office and for a handout, and we'll send one to you. Um, <clears throat> so um, let's have a word of prayer and and ask the Lord to be with us, and then we'll read our, our verses. And uh, we've got different people assigned to read, and uh, we'll be reading Colossians 3, 12 through 17. You can follow along. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to look at chapter 3 of Colossians. And I certainly was reminded this week about the need to forbear and to forgive, and also to develop the qualities the five qualities mentioned here and I was reminded where I was remiss and not doing that and taking things for granted and I pray Father that you would impress upon us the need to put on these new garments and that you would help us to wear the character of Christ and I pray that you would really impress upon us the real need to be like Christ, to be in His image, and to 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 uh, to exhibit and and display and utilize the qualities and develop those qualities and virtues of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for our salvation. We pray that you would help us in our sanctification to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for each family represented here and those that are watching online, that you would bless them and their families, be with those that are ill and sick and hurting. And we pray for the other, the other Sunday school classes. And uh, we ask that you would be with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I don't notice the train anymore, but I notice it more online if I'm watching online. It's louder online than it is in person. So, okay. So everybody's got a handout, a, a goldenrod handout here. Has everybody got a handout? Okay, good. If somebody comes in late, hit them up. There's some extra ones up here and some extra ones in the back. So we've been looking at a lot of comprehensive ideas in the passage 
between Colossians 3.5 and chapter 4, verse 6. And we divided them into three, uh, four <laughs> uh, different sections or major themes. And these are alliterated with the letter D. So if you're used to hearing mortify or put off, I put deaden the old. In Colossians 3.5 to 11, we've done that. It's mortify or put off. And then develop the new. That's where we're at now. And that's why that's in capital letters there, larger font. And we're on section chapter 3, sections 12 through 17. And Paul tells us to put on or clothe ourselves. And um, then we're to desire Christ-like relationships, Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. And we're to devote ourselves to Christian duty, chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. So we're in section 12 to 17 developed the new and so we're going to read that uh, you'll follow along as the people designated to read and Connie's first she's going to read and these are the internal qualities and expressions of love you see that is uh, under developed the new under a and the big the longest one internal qualities and expressions of love verses 12 to 14 Connie so those were the internal qualities and expressions of love and now we're going to look at verse 15 the inward rule of peace and that is uh, Nancy And now we're going to look at the indwelling of God's Word, and that's verse 16. Amen. And then finally, in the name of Christ, verse 17, and that is Cindy. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Okay. So, again, alliterated with the letter I, if you're wondering about the unusual title errors. Okay. So, internal qualities and expressions of love, verses 12 through 14. So, reviewing briefly so that we have a context for new people and for, uh, for others. And uh, looking at the handout under paragraph B, put on is in verse 12, that the believer has put on the new man in verse 10, which is the regenerate nature, the new nature that we receive when we're saved. And the Colossians died with Christ to the old life. And they were to mortify or make dead their members producing the sins in verses 5 and 8. And they were to put off these evil things in verse 8 along with putting off the old man and his deeds, verse 9. So I'm going to just say that to give us a roadmap of where we're at. So the imagery here when it says put off is like stripping off a filthy garment. Now, perhaps like you, when I started in my uh, working life <laughs> at eight or nine years old, my dad had a little body shop, uh, like an auto collision type shop, cars wrecked to fix the body. And so he started me out sweeping the, the garage out because... Um, Perhaps, anyway, that's how he started me. And then I would straighten up his tools, and then I would do other errands. I might tape off a car, but then he had me working on it. And so I'd get underneath the car in the shop, and I would, you know, pull these cars apart, their fender off or something, and all that dirt had fallen on me. And he said to me, 
you can get the dirtiest of any person that has ever worked for me. You, you could get dirty when there is no dirt. He said, look how you're just, and I would take my clothes and just be filthy. I don't know how my mom ever washed them because they were filthy, you know, in my teens when I was working and, and trying to help him. And, uh, and sanding the car with, the, with the, the auto body filler, that stuff just all over, to get all over your hair and everything else. So my clothes, were, when, I, when I read that about stripping off of a filthy garment, I had filth. Well, we have the imagery here is taking off the old man and its deeds and taking off filthy garments and those sins that are listed in verse 9. Now we're to clothe ourselves with garments that are fitting for the new man and a believer. We're to put on these garments. And the, the grammar here indicates we need to do it with great urgency. It's an important priority. Uh, now these garments are the qualities and virtues that are in verse 12b, the second half of verse 12, and in 13 through 15. So he says in verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy, beloved, then he tells them what to put on, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Well, <clears throat> we talked about last week that Paul reminds us that, um, he reminded the Colossians and he reminded us that they were the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now we kind of just roll over that and say, okay, let's get to the qualities and see what he's talking about. But these three descriptions, the elect of God, holy and beloved, and elect meaning chosen, these, these three descriptions are used of Israel in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 7.6. He says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee, that's the elect part, to be a special people unto himself above all people that are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the fewest of all people. In other words, there wasn't any really merit that they had. There was nothing that, that signified that they were more holy or better or more uh, attractive than anyone else. But we are, and we talked about this, Paul is saying these descriptions uh, be, because these should motivate us to obey the command to put on these five spiritual qualities listed in the second half of verse 12 and, um, and the following ones in 13 and 14 and 15. They, because we are uh, the... He reminds us that we are the spiritual seed of Israel. Wasn't me. <laughs> I always grab my phone when something happens. Wasn't me. I usually say that to Cindy. I didn't do it this time. <laughs> okay. So Paul um, is these things... Let's look at them. God's elect, God's chosen people as Israel was. They were holy, that's set apart and consecrated to God for his use as Israel was. And beloved, having been loved, calls to mind that we're dear ones to God as Israel was. And 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. So these terms are used of Israel in the Old Testament. Now they describe the New Testament believers as heirs of the Israel's spiritual seed and privileges. So now we are not the new Israel. We can't fall into the theological trap of saying that we are new Israel. We, that's not taught in scripture. We're in the new covenant, not the old covenant. And um, the, we are the heirs of the spiritual seed and privileges of Israel. So we are to put on now, let's look at the bottom of page one, the bowels of mercy, or if you will, heart of compassion and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long suffering. So these five qualities are sometimes called the Pentagon of virtues. It's interesting. Paul what Paul chose five, not seven. 
you know, you would have thought maybe he and I might have chosen seven to symbolize completion and perfection and fullness. And, but he chose five, and he chose these five. It's very interesting. Now, he did later on talk about a couple of other things uh, as, as, uh, as was read. He talked about uh, ch charity in verse 14, or love. And he talked about uh, forbearing and forgiving um, in verse 13. And um, so he, he talks about other things, but he started with these five. So these must have some significance to us because he chose these five to talk to them about. Now, as we talked about, there were five things uh, that he mentioned uh, originally that could be contrasted, and we did that last year, the wrath and the anger and so forth, and slander, etc. Uh, and those stand in opposition to those things, the five evil qualities uh, listed that we're to put off in verse 8. So, um, the word, so I'm the last sentence on page 1, the word to put on is in duo, E-N-D-U-O. And it's also used in Romans 13, 14, and Paul uses this word to say, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So what does that mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? I thought we were putting on these, these character qualities of uh, compassion, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering. Now, what is, it, what is he, elsewhere he talks about in Romans about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision, provision for the flesh to fulfill its list. So turn to page two in the handout. So essentially, we talked about this and I asked the question earlier, what we, what we are to do is to wear the character of Christ. And Paul is telling us here to put on as the new garments for the new man the character of Christ. And these virtues and godly qualities that we just mentioned, they're connected to Christ and they're evidence of his love to us, his love in us, and our love to him and towards others. And love is in and over all of these qualities, and we must wear these qualities. They're reflective of love, and they're connected to love. So I was thinking about wearing the character of Christ. And Paul tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, put on his character. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to imitate his character. So I don't know about you, but things come to me at weird times and Sometime last night, I was thinking, you know, often we're so concerned about doing things as opposed to we forget about being what we need to be. So if we are being like Christ, we're, act, we're, uh, we're being in his image by developing the character qualities that we're going to be talking about in just a minute, if we concentrate on being like Christ, then we're much easier to do his will because character creates behavior. It said that our theology is really what we believe and what it's, what it, the actual theology we have is what we do, how we act. So if we wear the character of Christ, we often make our judgments about what we need to be doing based on our character. Character shapes our behavior and, and creates our behavior, if you will. So we act a certain way because we're wearing his character. And he wants us to do his will. We're much more likely to be able to do his will if we are using and employing his character. If we are compassion, if we are kind, if we have humbleness, if we have... Yes, sir? Well, you're, you're, well, you were right on a roll right there, but... No. But, uh, you know, I, I was a math teacher at back high for about 12 years. Oh, well. But anyway, I remember walking into the classroom and the kids would be lying on their back. I mean, practically lying on their backs, but I mean, just like slope, sloping in their seats and 
Uh, and I would say, okay, here's how we're going to start this year. You're going to sit up in your seat. Everyone can sit up. And it was like acting the part. And now you're going to put your pencil in your hand. You're going to be ready to take a note of, from what I say. You're acting the part. And just simply by sitting up and acting the part, you're going to start learning what I'm about to tell you. And it's all part of that starting, starting the act. Yes. I think that's what he's yes. And he say, wear it. And at first I was like, wear it? No, it's like embody it. Yeah. You start from by wearing it, by putting it on. Yes. And then maybe you start acting it. Then you embody it. And then you start performing at that level. Of, you know. yeah. I don't know where I got this, but I, I, I wrote down... Uh, I wanted. This is not in the hand. I wanted to make sure that I I mentioned that because if we if we are concerned about being like Christ, then we'll act like Christ and have uh, reflect His character and our behavior. And I one of the things I wrote down was be it, be it, and live it. Okay, so that kind of crystallizes it. So bowels of mercy and heart of compassion. Now I, I know that when I have read. In the past, uh, passages and it talks about uh, compassion or emotions. It often talks about the bowels, because just as we in this culture think about the heart being, uh, I mean, people even do that heart thing, you know, for love and those things as a seed of emotions. Well, they they thought that the the, the bowels were the seed of comp uh, compassion. So that's what they. That's why this is not a bad translation. That's that's truly what they thought at the time, and we think of it now in our culture as heart. So if you think of bowels of mercy as heart of compassion, and this term reflects concern. Reading from the handout number one, page two, the term reflects concern, pity, and tenderness toward the suffering and miserable, and uh, the scholar. Um, Mule, M-O-U-L-E, says, it is ready sympathy and tenderness toward the suffering and miserable. Um, uh, and in 1 John 3, 17 through 19, um, John says, but whoso, uh, it's connected to love and, and also uh, mercy, or rather compassion, is the product of love. So 1 John 3, 17 through 19, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion, or heart of compassion, from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If he has no bowels of compassion or heart of compassion, how does he have the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So John, the Apostle John, connects love with uh, a heart of compassion and also it's the product of it. So some, some places you'll see it translated tender mercies as well. So uh, Ray Stedman, um, a, um, a pastor that... Uh, been in pastor for a long time. He said, compassion is what we would call a heart of pity. It's a, it's a sense of sympathy, of empathy with someone. Now he kind of puts this in down-to-earth terms. <laughs> when you come to the breakfast table, come with compassion. Compassion for that strange-looking creature, her hair up in curlers, shuffling across, across the kitchen in her old slippers. Come with compassion for that gruff, stubble-faced fellow isolated behind his morning newspaper, ignoring everybody, or those children who are trying to get everything together before they go to school. Approach life with compassion. That is what Paul is saying. Put it on when you get up in the morning. You're a new man or a new woman. Therefore, live that way. And I wrote on this quote from Ray Stedman, be it, live it. Where the character of Christ. And I really want to emphasize that because I think so often we, 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 we go to the end result and we've got to achieve this. But you achieve this goal, the spiritual goal, by being like Christ and wearing his character. 
Okay, so let's look at kindness. Now, you're going to find, I found this a bit frustrating in one sense because I'm trying to figure out what something is so I can share it with you. Some of these words have more than we think is entailed by the word. And this is one of them. Um, kindness comes from the Greek word krestatos, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-T-E-S. And it means excellence and character, reading from the handout number two, excellence and character or demeanor, behavior. It means gentleness, goodness, as indicated by Strong's uh, dictionary, and this word actually, and I underlined, combines because it means more than we think of in English. It combines the qualities of goodness, kindliness, and graciousness all together. So it's more than just kind. And Ellicott refers to it as sweetness of disposition. Now when I hear that term, I, I, try to think, I was trying to think of sweet people that I have known besides my wife, who is wonderfully sweet. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, my dad died a couple of years ago, and, uh, and I noticed uh, that at, both at his funeral and during his life, people always referred to my dad as sweet. Now, that was puzzling to me because guys aren't normally referred to as sweet, right? <laughs> not, not manly to be sweet. But... He had a sweet spirit about him. He loved the Lord with all his heart, and he was in a very tough business in the auto body repair, the body man. And <clears throat> but he was sweet, and people referred to him that way because his he was kind, he was good, and he was gracious, and he was he was also humble and meek, and long suffering because he had me as a son. So okay, so. He was a sweet person. And sweetness of disposition is what Alacoc, the Greek scholar, says this, this refers to. So it's listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And you say, well, I didn't hear kindness, Scotty. That's right, because remember I said it's several different things, and so here... It's referred to as gentle. The word Christates is gentleness. They thought that was a better use of the word, and it certainly embodies that. But it's all of those things. It's goodness, kindliness, graciousness, um, and excellence in spirit. So it means more than our English word, and that's really hard to take that meaning and transfer that because we use words to convey thoughts. So for me to help you uh, understand what I was talking about. I gave an example of my dad who has just I can only remember him being mad at me one time and he threw a shoe at me and I deserved it. <laughs> okay. But he was a very sweet in spirit because he loved the Lord so much and he had developed those character qualities that shaped him into a, a godly man. And um, so it is, it is a fruit of the Spirit, Titus 3, 1 through 5. Kind, kindness is connected to love and God and our redemption. And, and uh, Titus 3, 1 through 5. Uh, put, in, put them in mind, Paul says to Titus. He's talking about, this is what I want you to do with your people. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers and obey magistrates to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness to all men. For we ourselves were sometimes, also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers or various lusts and pleasures, living in malice, evil, and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior, toward man appeared and his kindness and love of God our Savior appeared toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost so 
this word is kindness in verse 4 of chapter 3 of Titus. And it's connected to the love of God. It's connected to God. And it that shows us the importance of this word. In fact, all of these are connected to love. All of these are connected to God. And uh, in fact, in Romans 2.4, this word indicates the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Uh, Paul says to the Romans, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, that's the word kindness, and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing not that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. Again, it's connected to God, and it's the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So, um, to, to uh, continue with a quote from Ray Stedman, he says, kindness is that action that reveals compassion. So, now we're seeing an interrelationship between compassion and kindness. Compassion is, is, is revealed through kindness. Compassion is what you may have as in, in the action that reveals it is kindness. It's an action that arises out of a sense of sympathy. It can take many different forms, a smile, a kind word, a pat on the shoulder, an invitation to lunch, an offer of help. We put on compassion and kindness as we start. We are to put on compassion and kindness as we start our day and throughout the day. Many centuries ago, a certain young man from a rural setting went to live in a large city and fell in with the wrong crowd. He lived, with a, he lived a wild life, becoming involved in many hurtful things, which almost destroyed him. But he heard a preacher one day, and though he did not particularly appreciate that man's preaching, he was struck by the man, and he went to hear him again, and soon that preacher was able to lead him to Christ. The young man has become... Uh, famous as the great Saint Augustine. This is what Augustine wrote of Ambrose, the pastor many centuries ago that uh, was a pastor of the cathedral in Milan. I began to love him, not at first as a teacher of the truth, which I despaired in finding in the church, but as a fellow creature who was kind to me. What an open door kindness can be. And I don't know about you, but I found kindness is a great tool for the gospel. And we are to be kind as Christians. Uh, a man named Bruce Hurd said, one of the most beautiful pictures of human kindness in the Bible, and certainly one of my favorite stories, is King David's treatment of the crippled prince Mephibosheth. Sydney and I have been reading through 1 Samuel, and we just recently read this. Um, David's desire was to show that the, show the kindness of God uh, because of his love for Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan was killed along with Saul because of Saul's uh, evil choices. And God took the kingdom away from him and gave it to David. Well, David uh, chose Mephibosheth, John's, Jonathan's son, who was a cripple. And if David had acted according to justice, he could have slain Mephibosheth. But he promised to take care of Jonathan's uh, offspring. And because the man, the Mephibosheth, belonged to a condemned family. Saul's descendants were condemned. But David acted on the base of love and grace. And, then, and I would add, this kindness in action reflects the love and grace of God. And this is, I think, a beautiful picture of love. And this, was, this quote was from Bruce Hurt. But I would add, some people think that this picture of Mephibosheth, who was crippled by a fall, is a picture of us as lost, who were taken by David, taken in by the Lord Jesus Christ, and provided, and now we, now we fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ because of his love for us and kindness to us. It's a picture of uh, us and salvation. Okay, so kindness. Um, 
Now that leads us to three and four, which I lumped together. Humbleness and lowliness of mind and meekness. You see they're together. So one of the things that I did not realize is that uh, in the pagan culture of that day, uh, these terms were not considered qualities that were to be desired. In fact, there was actually a shortage of language to reflect humbleness. They didn't have the words that we have to reflect humbleness and lowliness. And they were actually considered vices, things that you shouldn't have in the, in the days of Greeks and Romans. And the New Testament, however, they're reflected as spiritual. I'm reading from the handout, item number four under meekness. They are reflected, humbleness and meekness are reflected as spiritual, virtuous, and Christ-like. And they're to be cultivated. Often, they're to be, uh, they are linked together because they're so closely related. They, they, they've come to mean a humble disposition and attitude. Uh, and I'm quoting Ellicott here in the next sentence. It is thinking lowly of ourselves because we are so. And it's easy to get puffed up as a Christian. We have all the answers. We know everything. We, you know, we got the wisdom, you know. But we are to be humble and lowly and meek. And uh, Christ calls himself meek and lowly in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I, Christ said, am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And meekness is also a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, and goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. So lowliness and meekness are distinctive features, virtues, qualities mandated by Paul as a worthy walk. And they are connected to love in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, I therefore as the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of your vocation wherewith ye are called. How? Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith and the bond of peace. Now, interestingly enough, lowliness and meekness are two of the qualities that are mentioned here in the five that we're looking at. And long-suffering is also number five and the next one. And forbearing one another is listed in verse 13 along with forgiving one another. So these are connected in love. And these things reflected in our lives help us show that we're worthy of our vocation to which we are called. That's what the Lord wants to see in us. Now, humility is a quality that Christ exemplified in Philippians 2, 1 through 9. So, Paul says, uh, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not man, every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. And he says, Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, you're want, you need to be like Christ in your mind. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The humility there is that he personified perfectly and ultimately was he became a man. It was God, creator of the universe and he says in verse 8 being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto, unto death even the death of the cross and that is our example which is a little hard for us to follow 
we, we, it may take us a while to reach that. We never will, but we are to try. So, now, meekness, uh, I'd like you to follow along in a handout. And about halfway down in paragraph four, you'll see a line that begins with nine. That shouldn't be there. It should be on the, I couldn't get it to go up. So, meekness. See that meekness? Meekness is difficult. Meekness is difficult to translate into English. Meekness, so meekness is considered an inward grace of the soul. We, we know what it is, but we can't put a word on it. Again, because of the difficulty of going from Greek uh, to English. It's, it's an inward grace of the soul, primarily focused on God, Meekness accepts his will and direction without resistance. Meekness honors God and places God above self. It's the opposite of arrogance, pride, and self-assertiveness. In relationship to other, meekness is a consideration of the rights and feelings of others. It is not weakness or helplessness, but it's an attitude resulting in self-control and restraint. It's been called power under control. So I want to read to you from um, the quote from a resource here called The New Linguistic and Exegetical Key to the Greek New Testament. How about that for a title? C.L. Rogers and Fritz Reinecker. So the word in Greek is prates, P-R-A-U-T-E-S, and it denotes the humble and gentle attitude which expresses itself, in particular, in a patient submissiveness to offense, free from malice and desire for revenge, controlled strength, the ability to bear reproaches and slights without bitterness and resentment, the ability to provide a soothing influence on someone who is in a state of anger, bitterness, and resentful against life. The word meekness indicates an obedient submissiveness to God and His will with unwavering faith and enduring patience, displaying itself in a gentle attitude and kind acts towards others. You could see the interplay between the words here. And this is often in the face of opposition. It is the restrained on obedient powers of the personality brought into the subjection and submissiveness to God and His will by the Holy Spirit. It's the opposite of arrogance. The word stands in contrast to anger and, and wrath. It denotes the humble and gentle attitude which expresses itself in particular he says this for the third time, in a patient submissiveness to offense, a freedom from malice and a desire from revenge. It's mildness and it's patient trust in the midst of difficult circumstances. So I thought that was a great illustration of what it is. Let's look at long-suffering. Long-suffering, uh, the last quality we'll look at in verse 12. Long-suffering is a patient restraint which allows a person to bear an injury with an insult without retaliation or revenge. It's an attribute of God in Romans 2.4. Uh, or despisest thou the riches of His, that's God's goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing not that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And that's a verse I just read. Longsuffering is in there, if you remember. So it's an attribute of God and... It's a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. Uh, Long-suffering is mentioned there. It's connected to love in 1 Corinthians 13.4 where he says, uh, Love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Christ demonstrates patience in 1 Timothy 1.16 where Paul says, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Christ, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. He's saying, the Lord Jesus Christ was patient with me 
until I came to Christ and was saved. And patience is pleasing to Christ. Uh, Colossians 1.11 Paul says that, that he was praying that the Colossians might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, pleasing God, pleasing Christ, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Now, I'm still working on uh, being long suffering with, with joyfulness. <laughs> Sometimes I grit my teeth. So, um, here, Patience is, is represented as pleasing to Christ. And um, uh, quoting um, J, J, um, Bruce Hurt, he says, long-suffering is a capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. It's the ability to hold one's feeling in restraint and bear up under the oversights and wrongs afflicted by others without retaliating. It is manifested uh, by the quality of forbearance under provocation. So a lot of times you're bearing with the people who are irritating and difficult and strong-willed and all of the things that you aren't, of course. And, <laughs> with, and there's a lot of provocation, provoking, uh, irritation those things uh, long suffering is manifested during those things he's saying it's used of God's patience towards sinful men Romans 2 4 and of the attitude that Christians are to display as, as an, having God as an example patience is a spirit which never gives up for it endures to the end even in times of adversity exhibiting such self restraint that it doesn't hastily retaliate or wrong. And Spurgeon says that we're to continue to put up with others, remembering the Lord's long-suffering to you. <laughs> and so periodically if I get a little frustrated with somebody, I go, well, you know the Lord is awfully patient with me. So, And Vine says that this word is the opposite of anger and that it follows uh, that a lack of patience often leads to wrath or revenge. Okay, and so closing, the summary there, right towards the bottom of the page, Paul tells the Colossians and us to clothe ourselves completely in the completely consistent character and conduct of Christ. Uh, that character is compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, which is meekness, and patience and long-suffering, all of which are reflections of his love and his own character and conduct. Questions you might have? Uh, Scotty, I really liked uh, Dave's um, example there of what he said about his class. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that we are so human that we uh, constantly need to be communicating with God yeah. and asking Him for all of these qualifications. Yes. Practice doesn't make perfect. Yes. Practice makes progress. Yes, that's so, good, that's good, yeah. So our job then is when He is molding us, we have a tendency to say, well, I don't want to be a cup. I want to be a saucer or something. But He's constantly molding us and shaping us to be more and more like Him. Will we ever get there as humans? No. But we're constantly striving to yes. get there. Yeah. So our job then is to constantly be praying to Him yes. and asking Him, trust the process. We yeah. have to trust the process Amen. and trust Him yes. for where He is leading us and guiding us and the way He is molding us Amen. and accept that because we know in our hearts and in His promises that His plan for our lives is the best it could ever be. Yes. Amen. Amen, amen. And I didn't emphasize that, so thank you for bringing that up. Amen, amen. And next week we're going to talk about forbearing and forgiving. Uh, yes, Cindy. I'm sorry. I saw some, some movement. I'm sorry. Thank you. It reminded me of, of like when you're um, trying to kick a habit and, and you're trying to do something, you're trying to develop muscle memory. Yeah, 
Yeah. And the more you do it, the more you you automatically do it. But we're through the Holy Spirit, we're trying to develop spiritual muscles. Yeah. So just right. Right. And by de developing some of that spiritual muscle memory, so to speak, that actually will help us with the acts. And that, that's what I was trying to say when I kind of paused and said we're concerned about doing, we should also be concerned about being, because if we're being like Christ, then the behavior will follow. And I think that's really an overlooked thing by us these days, because we really do emphasize what we all can see, the act or whatever. And so these are great comments. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Others? Okay. Well, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to be with the service to follow and help us to be more like Christ here. Father, thank you so much for this, this lesson this morning. What a joy it is to read about these qualities. Lord, we want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to manifest and exhibit and we want to have these qualities of kindness and compassion. And, and uh, Lord, we want to be sweet of disposition. Lord, we want to be uh, meek and lowly. We want to be patient and long-suffering. Help us to develop those qualities, Father. I pray that you would, uh, that you would impress upon us the importance of being like the Lord Jesus Christ and to be in His image and exhibiting and to wear the character of Christ, to put these things on and to take off those, that filthy garment that we had. I thank you for each one that's here. I pray your blessing for each family, that you would be with them and encourage them, be with those in our families who are ill. Pray for those watching at home. I pray for your comfort and encouragement for all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all.